Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome in. It's David Summers hosting another studcast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. This is the story of wrestling in America, as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. Now, we step back into the ring, back into time, into the Great Smoky Mountains, where we find the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. Hey, Ron, what's going on, my man? Oh, geez, man. Just uh, sitting here and uh, ready to get to work with you, man. Uh, ready to fire off another episode for fans out there. And, uh, you know, got a little rain today, a little thunderstorm. And uh, I was watching the weather, and I think you're getting it down there, too, man. You're yeah. yeah, what is it they say about April showers? I think eventually we'll we'll have some nice flowers. We'll see you. We'll see you in some videos, stud. I don't know if you're going to be running through one of those flowery fields. Is that a possibility? Yeah, that may be, man. <laughs> Starting to get those little bitty green leaves, man, on the trees, right. though. So, so uh, I'm getting excited about that, man. Spring's evidently going to be here pretty quick here. Hey, folks that follow you on Facebook, especially, they, they can see the videos from week to week, from time to time, where you've got some kind of beautiful, incredible scenery behind you. And I think that's really awesome that you're able to enjoy your your home state, your birth area. All right, so Studcast, I tell you, Studcast in recent months, Ron, are professional wrestling lessons in all aspects of the fort, from owner to wrestlers to booker to setting up TV stations, acquiring dates from buildings, and a whole lot more that you've you've taught us about, we've learned in the last number of years, really. So riding with you in these Studcasts nowadays, we can hardly keep up with what state we're even in. I say that because I get a look at what the title is for this studcast, Reloading, in April 1978. It has me wondering what more could possi- could you possibly be doing in 1978. Two territories traveling over most of the southern USA every day. How could you, I mean, well, what do you do? <laughs> Well, I got an awful lot on my plate, that's for sure, Dave. <laughs> yeah. No, no doubt about it, you know. And uh, well, basically, yeah, there's a whole lot going on, man, back in uh, 1978, uh, obviously, with two territories. And uh, I was only 30 years old, man. And uh, everything I was doing was exciting to me. I was I was into it, man. Uh, every day was a it was a different uh, it was a different challenge. And, uh, and I was up to the up to the task. So Southeastern wrestling, by this point, uh, Knoxville territory, it was the best small territory in the world. And uh, 
I, my plans was to make the southeastern Gulf Coast territory the same thing, hmm. another best resting territory in the world, especially small territory. So uh, the reason I guess I call this episode Reloading in April of 1978 is because for the first time since I'd been a territory owner, I had an entire week with no matches in either of my largest cities in either oh, territory. Whoa. All right. So how did that happen? <laughs> well, you know, it was definitely time to reload, man, when you have that happen. Well, you know, yeah. because obviously none of the normal buildings that we were using, the one in Dothan, nor the two buildings that I had in Knoxville were available because that somehow they'd been rented out from underneath me. And I was like, wow, what in the heck is this all about? So in this studcast, we're going to take a totally different kind of ride. Uh, and I had two weeks before uh, my two major cities ran in both those territories. So I had time to focus on many other things that I've been wanting to do. So speaking of other things that you could be focusing on, your life has not changed much, Ron. I'm talking in the last 44 years since 1978. Now, you know, you've got weekly stud cast, you've got a YouTube channel, you've got a streaming channel. So, I mean, what else? What else is next? Well, Jace, man, and that's the truth. You know, I, <laughs> I guess I haven't changed a lot. That's probably true, man, because... You know, I'm just as excited today, though. I, I guess, like I said, I'm still a young guy. I'm just as excited today as I was <laughs> back in 1978. Uh, and uh, I'm really, really excited about bringing back old school wrestling to fans all over the world, basically. And that's where they're watching from. I, I, I'm seeing stuff from everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, and I was bringing it to them in, uh, 44 years ago in 1978. By golly, I'm bringing it back to him again, 44 <laughs> years later. Yep. So I was just watching some of the older Southeastern Gulf Coast TV shows yesterday and they're working on finalizing the release date for them. Uh, so, you know, and they're going to be shown, obviously, exclusively on the ClassicContinentalWrestling.com, the streaming channel. And I'd forgotten when I watched them how good they were and what tremendous talent was in that territory. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm really excited uh, by the fact that – there are going to be hundreds of those shows for fans out there around the world to see. And I also just finished the first in a new series, man, that's going on the fantastic streaming channel, which is really becoming fantastic. It's got everything on it. And, uh, and this, the thing I've been doing now in this series, it's, it's historic profiles about some of the most famous wrestlers in American history. It's called the superstars of the past. And I think this first superstar in the series He's from back in the 1800s. Uh, is going to be probably the most uh, un uh, mostly unknown for his wrestling ability, uh, but he is a, a superstar. He was at that time. And uh, when people find out who this guy is, I think they're going to freak, freak out. Dave. I think fans are going to go, <laughs> wow, I never knew this guy was a wrestler. <laughs> so it's far more than just a wrestling lesson, This uh, these shows that I'm doing the new series. And it's a, this one in particular is a great history lesson as well. So this first superstar of the past is going to go up on classic continental wrestling, uh, .com, the streaming mm -hmm. channel this Saturday, April 9th, 2022. Wow. Cool. This Saturday. Okay. So can't wait to hear that one stuff. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Then you'll be able to do a lot more. And just hear this one, Dave. Uh, gosh, I'm really proud of this. Uh, this one's going to be an audio-visual experience for fans. And as I tell the story, 
uh, photos uh, about the subject matter are going to pop up uh, during the course of this uh, entire uh, series. And uh, this one even has a five-minute video at the end of it. Wow. All right. So it sounds like you're going kind of high-tech over on the streaming channel. Well, yeah, I guess I am, man. <laughs> it's going it's, it's to give me the opportunity to even to do more for my fans around the world. Uh, by utilizing this audio-visual technique, man, it's going to allow me to do things that I have never been able to do so far and uh, since I've been doing these studcasts and, uh, and recording things. So it's going to be, uh, it'll be my uh, stars of the sport. I'll be able to use it in my stars of the sport, those three-hour shows that uh, I've been putting up. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I've got 43 of those, and, uh, and I'm going to use it in those. I'll be able to use it in so many things. I'll be able to go back and take things that I have already recorded and add the visual part to it. Wow. So uh, I'm really, really uh, looking forward to this. All right. But what else is there now and, and still coming? Well, there's obviously a, a really great Wildcat Window Cooley 90-minute documentary on the streaming channel, uh, and it has matches of his, and it has interviews in it, and there's going to be another documentary added there on Tuesday, April 26th. Fans can write that down, April 26th. There's going to be another 90-minute. This is going to be a world premiere of another wrestling star that was developing continental wrestling. This one's going to be about... Tony Anthony, the dirty white boy and girl commentary and documentary. And it's going to contain matches. It'll have interviews. It's even got a special appearance in it by Dr. Tom Pritchard, the guy he almost hung to death, yeah, <laughs> yeah. choked him to death. So it'll all, it'll all be there, man, for 30 days. This, this uh, Tony Anthony one, it's only going to be there for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to move to debut on Amazon. Oh wow! So so fans can watch this thing debut, this this documentary on ClassicContinentalWrestling.com for only four ninety nine per month before it even reaches Amazon. That's correct, man. Wow! <laughs> before Amazon gets it, we're going to have it on the on the uh, the, the streaming channel. So uh, you know, and uh, there's going to be also a. Uh, Two two sport uh, two stars of the sports on there by this time uh, three hour shows that are right there now uh, we're going to have an, an uh, one of those is Andre the Giant and the other is Old Mankind Cactus Jack Dude Love Socko whatever you want to call him man Mick Foley is actually who that one person is and mm -hmm. uh, that one's on there now and uh, and I'm proud to announce the next one is going to be the legendary Ron Wright man the next stars of the sport. So, wow, I'm, wow. I'm really, really thrilled about this stuff. Hey, I'll tell you what, your streaming channel is going to be loaded with USA, Continental, and Southeastern old-school TV wrestling shows, the superstars of the past series documentaries, the three-hour stars of the sports series, and you are even going to be, you're going to be reading your thrilling lion story, Brutus, that has captivated America a piece at a time, the entire book, you're going to be reading it, plus everything that is already on the Southeastern Rewind YouTube channel, all that for only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year. That is a great deal. This is truly the best deal in wrestling, stud. Fans, don't miss out all this unique wrestling history in one place. Subscribe now. So where are we writing today as we reload in April of 1978, stud. 
Well, we are going to begin in southeastern Knoxville with a a loaded week. Might as well keep using that word because we are really going to have a loaded week. Uh, we ran two cities each night to make up for the loss of the city of Knoxville and to make up for the loss of Dothan, uh, that town in the Southern Territory. And uh, it was the only way I could figure to keep all of my wrestlers busy and keep them making money. So we booked all of them from both territories for the entire week in Southeastern Knoxville Territory. And uh, we're gonna look at the Knoxville card for two weeks later when we do get back into the Coliseum on Sunday, October, April 7, 2nd, 1978, and discuss the first of two TVs that's gonna promote that event. We're gonna talk about a big reload of talent for Southeastern Knoxville. Uh, all kinds of different guys, man. Uh, wow, things are really changing up there in that Northern Territory. Then we're gonna head south, Southeastern Gulf Coast, and we're gonna look at their card. That's gonna be two weeks later, which is gonna be on April 7th, 1978. We're gonna be back, going back into the Farm Center there. And we're also going to discuss uh, the first of the two TVs to promote that card. And we're going to make uh, a very large first ever billboard buy in that territory. And we're going to talk about opening up Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, mm. Gosh, we've got a lot in this one, man. And if we have time, we're going to have two learning tree questions at the end of the show. <laughs> you are quite ambitious today, stud. All right. So, <laughs> all right. This sounds just as loaded as our normal stud cast have been lately, Rod. I am saddled up and ready so I think we are going to be riding into Knoxville, Tennessee, and start the reloading process. All right, man. Here we go. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this one, Dave, uh, because it's such an unusual situation to be in. Uh, both of the largest markets and both of my territories were dark, meaning they weren't going to have an event uh, for that week. At the same time, it's just, wow, it never happened again. Uh, so normally, that would have been a huge problem. Had it not been for southeastern Knoxville and that territory being on fire, and it didn't take me long to figure out how to take advantage of the fact that Knoxville was doing so great and how to utilize all these guys. So we had wrestlers in two territories that weren't going to get their biggest payoff of the week. So we brought the Gulf Coast guys up to Knoxville, and we booked in the Knoxville territory two cities a night from Monday March 27, 1978, through the following Saturday night, April 2nd, 1978, we ran two cities, smaller cities, in the southeastern Knoxville end uh, that entire week. So since we couldn't have matches in Knoxville, I booked four of those 12 cities running that week within 30 miles of Knoxville. <laughs> because we had so many small cities that were doing so great, so many fans in that part of the country, we didn't have to get far from Knoxville to be able to even run the smaller towns. So, uh, so we brought. Uh, so you know, we we couldn't obviously bring the matches to the Knoxville fans because the building wasn't available. So we brought the Knoxville fans to the other cities, the little outlying cities. So then we did something else that had never been done before. We designed the TV interview time to specifically plug these smaller cities that we're going to be running off the Knoxville TV, <laughs> off to the Johnson City TV, yep. off of the Hazard TV, off of all our television stations. Uh, we utilize them to plug smaller towns that we're going to be running. <laughs> See, uh, that, and that's a pretty unique idea, it sounds like to me. So, But how did it work for you? 
Well, I tell you, man, uh, we had all-time record crowds in Oak Ridge, Tennessee on that Monday night, in Maryville, Tennessee on Wednesday night, in La Follette, Tennessee on Friday night, and in Morristown, Tennessee on Saturday night off the Knoxville TV alone. All-time record crowds. Never drew any crowds bigger than these that were drawn during this time frame uh, because uh, we were able to use the TV. We also took advantage of the Johnson City TV station. We ran the regular matches in Johnson City on Tuesday, and then we had an event on Friday night only 30 miles away in Kingsport, uh, and both of those shows sold out as well as we had matches in Big Stone Cap, Virginia. Up there in the mountains, man, on the on the Monday night of that same week. So uh, off of the Johnson City TV, we ran a Monday night, a Tuesday night, and a a Friday night. So and then, besides those three, we ran three Kentucky cities that week: Harlan, Barberville, and Middlesburg. All three of those cities sold out. Robbinsville, North Carolina, and Jamestown, Tennessee. We ran on Thursday night, and those were both full. So uh, bottom line. We did 12 shows in four different states, mm -hmm. all within 100 miles of Knoxville. <laughs> uh, they produced 10 sellouts and two full buildings and the other two that didn't sell out. And the normal average attendance for Southeastern Knoxville week during that time frame was 21,000 people. Hmm. That week did almost 27,000 fans. Whoa. The normal average gross week, uh, money for a week like that was $85,000 for uh, that 21,000 fans that we normally were doing. And on this week, without Knoxville even running, we grossed $108,000 first time over $100,000. <laughs> you know, and, and that was $23,000 more than usual, man. And Knoxville didn't run, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it turned out to be a new record for a single week in southeastern Knoxville. All right, so you've always been pretty good to your wrestlers. So in this case, did you just haul ass? No, I didn't mean that. I mean, you you took care of your guys. <laughs> well, man, if you got a bunch of badass wrestlers, you ain't yeah. gonna haul. I, you know, I couldn't I couldn't help myself. Unless you're hauling it way way away. Somewhere. I didn't with a payoff like that. So you 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 probably took pretty good care of the guys. Well, yeah, you know, I, and I knew you were going to ask that, Dave. <laughs> so I was kind of prepared, man. I knew you'd want to know, yeah. you know, what they did, how much uh, they Well, did. it's pretty fascinating to know and what tier, what level, who who did what. And and even the even the guys that open events like this for you had really done well. Yeah. So, you know, basically on this, you know, and since I, you know, I, I expected you were going to ask. So I, you know, we talked about 108,000 gross. Well, you could take 30% of that. It was $32,400 to pay 26 wrestlers and four referees. Okay. I paid the referees $600 each. Uh, and, uh, and the wrestlers, I didn't break it all down because the cards were different cards every night, uh, different, uh, different than trying to, do, to take break down one, one town. Uh, this would have been impossible to do. So I averaged out the remainder of that money. Uh, so each of those 20, 26 wrestlers got an average of $1,150 each. Whoa. <laughs> now that $1,150 in today's money <laughs> equates to $6,700. <laughs> yeah. That's so, the... <laughs> 
Hey, that's some happy wrestlers, man. I oh. think they would have liked me to run the territory like that for them from now on. Uh-huh. You know, close down Knoxville <laughs> and, and run everything around it. You know, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> that's unreal. it worked out great. Bottom line, it worked out great. Yeah, and we're we're still talking about 1978, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean that's a god. I mean, yeah, that's good money. That's unreal, stud. You turned a possible disaster of a week into what became a record week. So it's and it's no wonder that wrestlers were waiting in the wings to get a shot. Just please open the door down at Southeastern. So I mean, you had folks uh, line, lined up. Oh man, I had been for a long time, and uh, and speaking of waiting in the wings, babe, let's talk about the name of this episode: uh, Reloading in April of 1978, and discuss who was waiting in the wings of Southeastern Knoxville. We had we were making some changes, so. Uh, uh, let's talk about the changes that were happening, man, at this point. Uh, Dennis Condry and Phil Hickerson, Ron Wright's new super team, uh, had just arrived. Uh, new baby face, Rip Smith, had just arrived uh, in the territory. And the man that many say was the greatest heel in Florida wrestling history, the great Malenko, was coming <laughs> in the territory in two weeks. Hmm. Right? The United States karate champion, Ron Slinker was coming in the territory. Uh, plus, another future superstar, Kevin Sullivan, was about to arrive. And another very popular Dick Steinborn was returning to, to <laughs> come back to Southeastern. So uh, things were really, really going to pop there. Oh, and they'd already popped. <laughs> yeah, popped. Yeah, that's absolutely reloading right there for sure. So since you mentioned Dick Steinborn returning on the next card, why don't you tell us who was on – the next Knoxville card, two weeks later, Sunday, April 2nd of 78. And you had been off a week, right? Yeah, we'd been off a week. So right. We're going to have two weeks to plug this show. Uh, and then uh, we're – so, uh, you know, on the opening match of this this show on April 2nd uh, was that fast-rising star man, uh, Rip Smith, that had just come into territory. And he's going to be wrestling one of the greats, man. He's – uh, Dick Steinborn, who's returning and hasn't been there in a long time. Uh, they're going to have babyface match that's going to tear the house down. My gosh, man, uh, Steinborn was fantastic. And he got this youngster here that was going big time. And uh, he really had a tremendous match with him. The Hangman was arresting, uh, arresting another returning star, the pro, Doug Gilbert, that had been there and been gone down. He's kind of working some in Dothan at this point, too. Uh, we got the ever popular Tony Charles meeting the legendary Ron Wright. <laughs> Tony Charles against Ron Wright. How about that? One, <laughs> and in a Southeastern Tag Championship return match from two weeks two weeks prior, uh, you know that's the new tag champions Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson that had just won those belts the following Sunday, the Sunday before, <laughs> and uh, they were going to be defending against the two guys they had beat in the finals of the tournament for the belts, Dennis Condry and Phil Higgerson. Hmm. Uh, and they're going to be uh, wrestling for the belts uh, on that April 2nd card. In a lumberjack match, Joe LaDuke and Ronnie Garvin, uh, their rivalry is going to be resumed, man. Uh, they're going to be in, uh, in uh, well, I think Joe LaDuke introduced us to these lumberjack matches, man. And uh, that's where wrestlers are going to be around the ring to throw the bodies back in when necessary. And uh, so that's on this card. Uh, the new Southeastern champion, Robert Fuller, is going to be defending his belt against the star from Memphis, man. I mean, the all-time Memphis star, 
Jerry the King Lawler's crossing the state, coming after the Southeastern Championship. Wow. And the main event was a no disqualification match between the Tennessee Stud and the Mongolian Stomper, managed by Gorgeous George Jr. Seven matches, man. Uh, it's going to get the ball rolling again once we get back in the Coliseum. <laughs> no doubt. Another huge card. So, what was on the first TV show? Saturday, March 25th promoting the next event eight days later, and I think that would be Sunday, April 2nd. That's correct. All right. So, yeah, we got two TVs, which is a real bonus and a real plus. So uh, I'm not going to be able to dive very deep into these TVs today because we have so much more coming in this studcast. My, this one's loaded, and I'm hoping we can get through, man. You know, uh, maybe before two hours. <laughs> so uh, but I want to point some things out from this TV, this first one uh, before this uh, big event on April 2nd. So it opened with a the TV with a huge round of applause. They had the new Southeastern champions, Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson, sitting at the set with less than their belts. And they watched the video of their victory in the finals of the championship tournament six days earlier. And they got themselves a big TV win immediately. They went right to the ring after their video and got a big TV, TV win. And then they... Had it, they had obviously on this big card of April 2nd, a return championship match with Condry and Hickerson, which was basically eight days after this TV. So it made sense for us to use most of the interview time on this TV to promote these smaller towns. It's going to be running in this week that we're talking about here. And uh, because Knoxville obviously is off, can't get in either one of the buildings. So this tag combination of Golden and Gibson versus Condry and Hickerson, they're going to be wrestling against each other almost every night. I just stuck them together, man. Uh, but none of those matches were going to be for the belts, as was going to be uh, on the Coliseum card of May the 2nd of April the 2nd, 78. And these four guys, man, I love to watch their matches. They had the best tag matches some of them I'd ever seen. And those matches in these smaller towns were going to make fans out of those people lucky enough to arrive there early enough to get themselves a seat. A lot of these buildings, they could not get in uh, because they were just, uh, well, they could have held, they had as many outside as inside in some of them. And in the TV show second segment, Ronnie Garvin was shown on video and uh, he was shown in the match from the, uh, the week before in which uh, Ronnie Garvin had left his partner, Don Carson, uh, in the ring alone with Jimmy Golden and Ricky Gibson. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a part of that slow build that we got going here with Ronnie Garvin, man, as we get ready to switch him babyface. And uh, so he leaves uh, Don Carson along with Golden and Gibson. And boy, did they shellac Don really big time. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, that was uh, our second uh, second segment. There's Ronnie watching that video. And then that's followed by Don Carson showing up, going in the studio and beating somebody with his peanut butter, man. Right. So uh, <laughs> then Dick Steinborn, who had just coming back, was on the personality profile list. And uh, he discussed, they talked about a lot about where he had been. And uh, mostly he brought up how happy he was to be back in Southeastern. You know, on this personality profile, there was no angles were discussed. It was kind of a perfect profile for an off week because uh, for many weeks we've been using that profile to promote upcoming cards. So 
finally, we got back to what the the integrity of what the personality profile segment was supposed to be, just talking about your life, where you've been, what are you doing, that type of stuff. We got that into this program, which made it really good. I was really happy to see that in the personality profile. Then the upcoming Coliseum event on April 2nd, Ronnie Garvin and Joe LaDuke's Lumberjack was the next one that we wanted to push on this TV. So Joe got another win over two opponents, and both stars uh, did an interview about the smaller cities. Uh, and there was only a brief mention of the Coliseum Lumberjack match, because they were going to be wrestling each other in a lot of these smaller cities, uh, you know, and, uh, and that match was two weeks away. So we had plenty of time to deal with it on the next TV. So the new Southeastern champion, my brother, Rob, uh, watched the video of the special added event from the Sunday before where me and him, me, the Tennessee stud and Rob had, uh, it had it out with the Mongolian stomper and gorgeous George Jr. And gorgeous George Jr. got very angry and upset. He what? challenged him to come back to the ring because he had bloodied. He would bet Rob bloodied him up and he bled all over his jumpsuit. Oh my God. And he, and he wanted to put Rob to put his hair up. And then says, I don't know, man, what, what are you going to put up? And then he says, no, I, I won't let you wrestle me, but I'll put up my stomper's belt. And then Rob beat the stomper after all of this and won the Southeastern title. We didn't win the tag titles, but Rob became the Southeastern champion. Oddly enough. <laughs> so all of that's come to fruition here now. So, uh, you know, Rob watches that on the show, on the TV. And then uh, the Mongolian stomper closed out that TV show. And wow, did he do a number on his poor opponent, man. Left him laying as usual. <laughs> it sounds like a great TV, especially the way you use the interviews for the smaller cities that were never, usually never even plugged. That explains some of that extraordinary week that you are, were about to have. And I think this is a good place for a break. When we come back, we're going to be headed down to Southeastern Gulf Coast for another great card, right? Yep, yep, we sure are. And uh, this next Southeastern Gulf Coast card has one of the all-time great athletes on it. A Hall of Fame best in not one, but two sports. Six feet, nine inches, 300 pounds, and a really good friend, man. The big cat himself, yeah. Ernie Ladd. going to make his first ever appearance in Southeastern. The big cat. That's awesome. Hey, listen, by the way, while we're taking the break, something you could do quickly is Go to ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. Streaming everything that you see on YouTube's Southeastern Rewind and so much more. You got to check it out. ClassicContinentalWrestling.com. All right, we'll take the break. The Big Cat coming up on this Studcast when we return. Okay, Stud fans, on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind this week, Thursday, April 7th, Continental TV, number 23. Friday, April 8th, Gulf Coast Match, number 10. Saturday, April 9th, Classic Continental Wrestling Streaming Channel debut. Superstars of the Past. Sunday, April 10th, Southeastern Match, number 9. Monday, April 11th, Gulf Coast Match, number 11. Tuesday, April 12th, Stud Story, number 27. 1958 Rodeo, part 2. Wednesday, April 13th, Studcast number 245. 
subscribe at ClassicContinentalWrestling.com now. Classic Continental Wrestling for the best in old school wrestling. Only $4.99 per month or $39.99 per year. Hey, welcome back. It's another Studcast with the Tennessee Stud Ron Fuller. I am David Summers. Thanks a lot for hanging out. And don't forget, ClassicContinentalWrestling.com is streaming everything that you see on YouTube, Southeastern Rewind, and so much more. Check it out when you have an opportunity. All right, welcome back once again. And before the break, Ron, you mentioned a guy that I've admired for many years, and I can't wait to hear more about the big cat, Ernie Ladd. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, cool dude. A really, really good guy. Uh, and speaking of Ernie, man, let, let's start the second half of this studcast off with the fifth card in the history of Southeastern Gulf Coast. Uh, that's in Dothan. Uh, we'll talk about what happened last week. Let's just go back to talking about that one. Uh, and uh, then we're going to be off there for an entire week. So let's talk about the card when we come back on April 7th, 1978. And uh, that's going to make two weeks uh, after the last card there because the building, obviously, like the one in Knoxville, was occupied by somebody else. So uh, here on this card, the one we're going to be talking about, starting with the main event, let's go at the top rather than from the bottom. So before I get to that, man, I, I want to refresh everybody's memory from the last studcast about what happened on March the 24th, 1978. That's the last time we were in Dothan. Uh, this is actually the TV that we're going to be talking about today is the day after that match. So there was two battle royal. There's a two ring battle royal on that event. And Bob Armstrong and I ended up partners in ring one. David Schultz and Eddie Mansfield ended up partners in ring two. Uh, we both got in the same ring together, both teams. And uh, when it came time to start the match, I refused to wrestle against my two heel friends. And I told Bob, have at it, man, take them. So, uh, you know, and uh, so Bob, uh, as he as he was pretty much uh, eager to do all the time, he went for it. And he ended up by himself beating both of them after about 30 minutes and uh, basically he won five thousand dollars for both of us right me and him yeah you no know, so uh you know not that for those that didn't hear last episode you might go back and listen to that it's a pretty good match man uh but uh you know i want to bring people up to date and then i can tell them what this main event for the next one is but he was totally exhausted when that match ended and the announcer came into the ring and he had two checks one for each of the winners. And the announcer handed me my check. I stuffed it down in my tights. And then uh, he started to hand Bob his. And I grabbed the check and I stuffed it down in my tights. And uh, so Bob was still on the mat. <laughs> he was so exhausted trying to get to his feet. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I couldn't wait. So I just uh, put the boots to Mr. Goody Two Shoes. <laughs> That's what I call, used to like to call him, man, when I was healed. And the crowd had already been very angry about what I'd been doing not to help him during the match. So uh, some fans started to approach the ring to let me know about it during the match. So uh, when it got over, when I took his money and then I put the boots to him, uh, it's kind of way too much for the crowd. And, uh, and they decided that they were going to all come kill Ron Fuller. <laughs> so, and it started the first of what was going to be many southeastern Gulf Coast riots, man. It's going to become a common thing in that part of the country. David Schultz, Eddie Graham, Eddie Graham Mansfield. I don't know where Graham came from, but Eddie Mansfield and uh, both the assassins. 
they came from the dressing room. They said, thank goodness they're out there watching it. And they came to my rescue. We fought our way back to the dressing room. So the main event, two weeks later on May the 7th, 1978, <laughs> after that wild battle royal match with Bob Armstrong, uh, is going to be Bob Armstrong against me. And because I took both checks, that's a total of $10,000. Whoever wins that match is going to get both the checks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I didn't get too far with the money, obviously. Yeah. So Charlie Cook, uh, who was fast becoming a star, man, uh, was going to be matched with a guy that was a monster star. Uh, and uh, Charlie was, you know, Charlie, we'd only been there for four shows. This, You know, and uh, usually it takes a long time for fans to get behind some guys, but fans were really getting behind Charlie. And I thought I'd give him a shot, man, of taking on a big timer hmm. and see, see if he could do, do something with Ernie Ladd. Hmm. Uh, and if he could beat Ernie Ladd, he's going to be a major star. So, uh, <laughs> so that's where he is on this next upcoming card, Charlie Cook against uh, Ernie Ladd. Uh, Robert Gibson, the future rock and roll star, man, the, uh, along with Rick, Ricky Morton. Yeah. Uh, wow. What a, what a monster career they had. Mm -hmm. uh, he had tried several partners during this time frame in the first four weeks. I think he wrestled against the assassins all four of those weeks. And he had a different partner pretty much every time. And uh, those assassins, Roger Smith and Randy Colley, they were managed by Rip Tyler. And so uh, Ricky's got himself a different opponent. Robert has got a different opponent than uh, – and on this card, he's going to be partnering with a big star out of the Georgia territory, Big Bill Dromo. Hmm. Uh, David Schultz faced off against Mike Stallings, and uh, Eddie, Eddie Mansfield opened up the card against the Dothan legend himself, the wrestling pro Tarzan Baxter. <laughs> Man, and he was, he was a great one. The, and, and to kind of lay claim that he was from the Dothan, from Dothan specifically, that's pretty cool. A really great card right there for only the fifth event ever in Southeastern Gulf Coast history. What was on the first of two TV shows before this next event? The TV show, I think, March 25th, 78, the day after that Battle Royal. Well, uh, as I remember, Dave, uh, from my first ever TV interview there, uh, I certainly wasn't on the show going to wrestle. That's for sure. Because I've made it pretty clear on my first TV appearance that fans are going to have to pay money to see me, you know. So I refused to wrestle on TV. But uh, you know, being a being a, a a prepared and uh, and and uh, loving heel, I certainly <laughs> didn't mind being seen on the show. So in fact, I was really pleased when uh, Tony. When uh, Charlie Platt invited me, the commentator invited me to watch this battle roar from the night before. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, and they gave me a chance to explain what was happening, my version of it anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and as I explained it, I, it showed my fantastic win the night before in little rinky dink Dothan, Alabama. <laughs> and, and how I was beginning to get some heat there, man. And, the, and the, it was the first Southeastern Gulf Coast riot there, obviously. So that proved <laughs> that 
that uh, definitely was getting some heat. Mm -hmm. And it didn't take many nights. It's not very often that you can have four matches in any town and they've never seen any of these wrestlers and have a riot after the fourth one. <laughs> right. So you yeah. know, you've yeah. got some crazy fans there and the tell it spoke it spoke <laughs> it spoke uh, <laughs> all kinds of uh, languages to me, man. So the assassins <laughs> then uh managed by Rip Tyler uh, were in the first TV match. But uh, they were kind enough to drop by the set and congratulate me for my big win the night before. And uh, the, the two assassins, they asked me, what are you going to do with all that money, Ron? You know, and uh, so I'm sitting there still with Charlie Platt, and I say, I told him I was going to build a decent hotel in this peanut capital of the world, <laughs> Dothan, Alabama, so I can sleep with class. That's it. So, so I said, that the $10,000 I won was way more money than anybody had ever spent on building a hotel in that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Charlie, you know, you know, Charlie, well, Charlie, uh, being a native of Dothan, you know, uh -huh. I kind of glanced over and he was giving me a dirty look, man. And I knew right then my healing days ahead was going to be a lot of fun, man. <laughs> but I, I also knew from the night before it, I better start looking for a good bodyguard. Though. <laughs> Welcome to Dothan. <laughs> so, yeah. So the young assassins, man, uh, they're in the first match, and they were grinders. These two boys, and uh, they wanted desperately to get over. Wow, and uh, they they really did a great job in this match. They left both those boys they were working with had to carry them both out. I was like, wow. <laughs> they impressed me. I don't think it, the boys that were carried out felt too good about it. But the, the next TV match was another young guy. <laughs> Uh, that one was just as dangerous as a rattlesnake, man. It was David Schultz, man. And uh, he was starting to get some heat after four events. And, <laughs> wow, he, I think he pulverized his opponent worse than they did theirs, man. And then the personality profile was done by Charlie Platt uh, by himself. But he introduced a fantastic video about Ernie Ladd that, uh, that covered his legend's life, man, from football to wrestling. And uh, it had been sent in from the Mid-South Territory. And it was a very impressive piece of video, man. Oh, wow, I watched it. I was like, geez, I'd buy a ticket to see that, man. And uh, and it made Southeastern Gulf Coast Wrestling look <laughs> extremely good, man, to be able to present that kind of talent. So uh, when you think back now, that we talked about it, we've only had four shows. And we've only had four TV shows. Four live shows, four TV shows that were produced in Dothan. Right. And then that four TV shows that had produced in Dothan, fans had seen Andre the Giant live. <laughs> right. They'd seen the former NWA world champion, Jack Briscoe, live. Wow. And now on this one, they see the big, one of the biggest stars of football and wrestling, Ernie Ladd. Wow. And, uh, and then on the next TV, they're going to see Ernie Ladd live. So uh, we were fast making, man, a huge impression on the fans. And also, man, probably on the television station's management, because I'm sure a lot of those new stations, like the one in Mobile, were watching. The management were watching these first four or five shows to see what we were going to do. They had to be going crazy. They're like, darn, where are these guys getting? Where do they get these big names from? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we were we were off to a great start as far as our TV shows were concerned. So uh, Eddie Mansfield, another cocky heel, got a win in the third TV match. 
Uh, and we're just rolling, as you can see, man, with all heels <laughs> on TV. We're getting yeah. heat, man. We're yeah. we're gonna build this territory, and uh, we got to get these these heels over. And, and <laughs> it was happening. And uh, but then we brought in uh, old Goody Two Shoes, old Bob Armstrong. He <laughs> ended the show. He he got to go to the set with, with Charlie, and he got to watch the same video that I'd watched at the beginning <laughs> of the show. And this time, man, he did what he did every time he went out. He got those studio fans in the palm of his hand. <laughs> he and he, unlike me, man, he gave his humble version and the truth about what fans were seeing, more or less than what I did. Uh, he certainly given didn't give him my version and. Uh, and he left that set. By the time he got up and left the set, everybody got on their feet. They were clapping their hands. And those old Bob used to do, man, he bolted into the ring. His opponent was already waiting on him in the ring. <laughs> he took care of business, man. I mean, wow. And uh, and when he finished this guy off with a sleeper hole, the fans never sat down and they never stopped clapping. <laughs> it's like it was like a seven minute segment and they they stood up for him when he left the set and they were still standing when he put the guy to sleep wow i was like geez man bob is gonna get over so it was only the eighth time i think about it this was only the eighth time that fans in the southeastern gulf coast territory mm -hmm. had seen any of us yeah. none of us yeah so and we had just get, we were just getting started, according to what most new territories needed to see before any growth at all. You know, uh, they had to have at least three months of TV, and uh, you know I think we were pretty much getting well on our way to getting there. So <clears throat> I got a very positive feeling, man, about this TV, and as same as I did the night before at that. Uh, Dothan match in which we had a riot, you know, um, most guys would have gone, oh, that's horrible. But for me, it was like, wow, this is a great sign. These people are going to love us. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to hate us, me and Schultz and the Assassins and Mansfield. And, you know, they're going to hate the heels, but they're certainly going to uh, back up the baby faces. So yeah. I look forward, obviously, to the next TV uh, before we return there 13 days later for Dothan's next events. Yeah, I mean, you guys were doing in wrestling what Jr. was doing for Dallas, and they love to hate Jr. So they love to hate you guys. So I tell you, that's that's fascinating stuff for real wrestling fans, no doubt. So, but I doubt there's ever been a wrestling podcast that has charted a new territory like what we're doing from its beginning to where it was ultimately going. And on a weekly basis, like what you're doing here, I think that's really awesome. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's always been the uh, the idea and the concept of, of my wrestling podcast is uh, to to explain things and uh, and um, make fans aware of of how it was done and and what worked, what didn't work, why it worked, and why it didn't work. So let's go briefly now. Let's jump to Montgomery, Alabama where I was setting up things for Southeastern Gulf Coast to open. Uh, we're going to wrestle in that beautiful downtown Civic Center, brand new building. On And we're going to open up on Monday night, April the 10th, 1978. Mm -hmm. And uh, Montgomery had gotten the exact same number of TV shows that Dothan had, which they had seen about eight shows. Yep. So they're a little bit familiar with the wrestlers. And, uh, you know, to me, it seemed like it was time to test the waters there, man, and see what we had in, in Montgomery. So uh, very soon after that, Mobile, Pensacola, 
and Panama City, they're all going to be open up. Uh, so what I got to do is we've had this one town a week for a month. Now we've got to open up other towns and we got to create a territory and we got to start making a living off of what these other new towns are going to start doing for us. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, thanks. Uh, thanks for that assessment of what you just mentioned, you know, about the podcast and charting the territory. And this podcast is really different. So many ways, man. Now I'm about to d- introduce another way. You know, and it kind of leads me perfectly into what I was going to be doing next to ensure that this new territory was going to be successful. And I was going to use something I've talked about in many studcasts in the past, uh, a form of advertising I, I feel had a lot to do with my success as an owner with Southeastern Knoxville. It was something very few, if any, territories ever did. They didn't use this type of advertising. It's too expensive. So I got my feet wet with it in Knoxville, and this time I was ready to dive in head first. So I spent money on lots of different types of advertising, newspapers, radios, uh, lots of different ways to advertise, uh, posters. Uh, but the largest part of my advertising money spent in Knoxville was put into billboards. And outdoor advertising, that's what it was called. I would used outdoor media twice, man. And uh, same company, both times, Lamar, which is the largest outdoor outdoor billboard company uh, in the South at this point. And, uh, you know, they had offices in all types of different cities. And I'd used Lamar before in advertising. So I went downtown Knoxville uh, that week that we were going to be wrestling in two towns a night. And I, on Monday, and I saw their sales staff that I had done business with. I told them what I had in mind, and I told them where I wanted to do it at. Hmm. And they hooked me up with the sales office in Panama City, Florida, that handled the entire American Gulf Coast. <laughs> so uh, what's today's date, Dave? Uh, April 5th, 1978. Why, is, why, why, is, why are you asking the date? Well... Uh, <laughs> This is there's one reason for it, man, mm-hmm. and and, it, and this is the reason I love these stud casts. You know, every card, every one of them, man, uh, reminds me of something else. You know, last night I got to thinking about today's stud cast, and, uh, and this one with both territories not having a match in a major arena at the same time. Yep. it it really it uh, it's it got me thinking about something that I was doing exactly 44 years ago on this date. <laughs> uh, it struck me because we, like I said, I'd never had two major towns and, and, and having two territories that couldn't go on the same day. So, uh, it, it brought me right back to, you know, wow, I remember what I was doing on that week and, uh, wow. and it was memorable. Uh, this day was memorable to me for one reason. It was, uh, the, the size of the financial commitment that I made on this day in 1978. Really? Wow. All right. So where are you headed this time, Ron? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So I remember this particular week last night and then, you know, the, the building problem and uh, where, and I, and then I remembered that I flew the very, the very, the, on this day, um, uh, 44 years ago in the Panama City, and I made a major billboard buy of uh, regular size billboards. I didn't do the big, uh, uh, the big, uh, you know, uh, 
big monster boards on freeway boards because uh, they didn't have many of them along that Gulf Coast down there. So uh, I just bought the regular size billboards and uh, bought them from Lamar Advertising. And, and I put them in the following cities and the surrounding areas. I bought Mobile, Alabama. Uh, and I, I pushed those, uh, the, the boards, uh, told them I wanted to go west of Biloxi, Mississippi, because we wanted to go into Mississippi. The, the TV signal went there and I wanted to go out of Mobile North up toward Montgomery. Hmm. Uh, maybe the word start to run up to Montgomery's area of uh, billboards. Hmm. Uh, I bought Pensacola, Florida and north of Pensacola to, uh, up toward the, Montgomery area. Yeah. I bought Panama City, Florida, and I told them I wanted to go east from there to about 30 miles outside of Tallahassee. And I wanted to go north, 100 miles north of Dothan, as far as they could take me up that direction. <laughs> and uh, and then I finished off with Montgomery, Alabama. Told them that I wanted to go east to the Georgia state line, and I wanted to go west, at least as far as Selma, Alabama, man. So, uh, wow. you know, I I'd, I'd, uh, I'd spent $15,000 on wow. 200 billboards that covered hundreds of square miles. Wow. Uh, and the focus, man, was on four major cities in that part of the country, uh, which was uh, Mobile, Pensacola, Panama City, and Dothan, Alabama, Dothan and Montgomery. And the deal broke down. And when, I, when, I, when you break the deal down, it broke down to $80 a billboard. For 30 days each. Right. That was the original deal. And then I, I I bargained a little further and I got an additional 15 days, man. Sweet. Were these were these regular size paper billboards? Regular size paper billboards, about uh, 12 feet high and uh yeah. 15, yeah. 20 feet wide. So everything was kind of standard in size. Yeah, it was all but, standard in size. Yeah, but still it that's was, a that's a you were a pretty big account. For, oh, for yeah, even Lamar. Yeah, man, I don't, I don't yeah. think they've got many runs like this out yeah. of there, you know. And uh, so, and and the real key thing with the billboard is what are you going to put on it? Yeah, right. You know, yeah. and, uh, and a lot of people had a tendency to uh, put too much on it. You know, people are driving by exactly. those things at 60 miles an hour and they, exactly. you know, yeah. you can't put a lot of writing on there. Yeah. But I had learned from my experiences with uh, two times with Lamar in the Knoxville area that uh, uh, less was more when it came to uh, filling up your boards. So the boards advertised, obviously, Southeastern Wrestling. You had the name of the company on there. Uh, it had local TV station on it, Channel 5 and Mobile, as an example, Channel 5 TV. It had the day and the time of the TV show, uh, which was Saturday. Uh, two o'clock after two p.m. afternoon. Okay, mm -hmm. that's it. Right. And it had a, one picture on it, one photo of a wrestler suplex and another wrestler. So an actual photo. An actual photo. Okay. And that wrestler photo was the entire background, basically, and then the southeastern and the words were written over top of the action. Yeah. So you know, it was a very eye-catching billboard. It was running in hundreds and in, in, in four different states, you know. So uh, it was it was pretty much a major buy, man. And, uh, you know, so the buy was going to start on June the 1st, 1978. It was going to run to July 14th of that year. And uh, it's going to begin in the summer, 
right at the beginning of the summer and the best time of the year for wrestling companies around the country. Hmm. Summertime was the hottest time of the year. Heck so yeah. June the 1st, billboards go up. They don't come down to the middle of July. And by then, uh, my plan was to have that territory cooking. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, well, I'll say, so you, you're talking about billboards in three states. So what was the value of that purchase in today's money? I know you said $15,000, 200 and 200 is a lot of bill. You took up a lot of space from Lamar. So in today's money, what are you talking about? Any idea? Well, I tell you what, Dave. You know, I, I hadn't looked this one up. To be honest with you, I looked up the wrestling figure because uh, you know I, I kind of figured that you were going to want to know. <laughs> but uh, off the top of my head, uh, I, I would say that if you want to know a price, I would say it was priceless considering what it did for my wrestling company. Wow! <laughs> Absolutely priceless. There's a yeah. There's a thing called residuals that people remember. They may not act on it immediately. When they see the billboard, they may not go, oh, I'm going to that, uh, or I'm going to watch that, or I'm going to take action on that immediately. But residually, they'll remember it, and they'll say, hey, a couple of weeks later, they may go, hey, yeah, I'm going to check that out. And so that residual keeps lasting and keeps lasting. Even after the boards are gone, they'll still remember it. So, man. That's, I, a, that's what made yeah. it so so valuable, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and... uh and you're right. And and if you think about it, uh, the same people see the same billboard. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Yeah. How many and, impressions uh, does it take that person to see that, to take action on it? That's one of the things that we talk about in broadcasting. And, and certainly I'm sure you knew about frequency when it came to Lamar. I'm sure they talked about that when they were trying to sell you all these billboards, but but that's that's the thing. How often do people drive by? Is the frequency how often they see that? So that's that's really cool. That's cool. All right. So listen, these studcasts are absolutely. I mean, you're rocking. You, the the way you're laying this this whole thing out. We've been everywhere today, and now you're even going to answer a couple of. I think we got time, Ron. We can do it. I think I can. I think I can. Just keep saying it. Learning tree questions before we finish. These two come. From YouTube comments left by fans that watch classic Southeastern and Gulf Coast matches from the past. The first comes from someone that calls himself Brent W. He asked, Continental's TV wrestling production was very high tech and blew away most every other TV wrestling show. How harmful was it that Gordon Soley told fans when videos were being used in the show to watch the action on the monitors in the building, especially when there were no monitors in the Boutwell Auditorium. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great one, isn't it, man? Uh, yeah. Geez, uh, so, uh, well, uh, that, that's, that's really good. I mean, you know, we get a lot of, a lot of people, uh, you know, that are, that are positive about things and they, they, this guy's got a good point in a way. Right. So, uh, it's, and it's a great question. So, uh, so, you know, uh, I got to answer this because of where Gordon was and uh, and what Gordon was uh, used to. Gordon had been the commentator for Florida Wrestling for many, many years. At this point, uh, when uh, he's talking about Continental in 1985, Gordon Soley was on the Georgia TV. He was on the 
Florida TV. He was on my TV. Uh, Gordon was the most uh, um, popular commentator and maybe the best in all of wrestling. And uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gordon, because he was doing the Florida TV and had been doing it for probably at this point, uh, 20 years, uh, maybe even more than 20 years. Uh, and they always did it from the same little building, the Sportatorium in Tampa, which was the wrestling office as well, but it was their studio. And that building only held uh, the studio wise about 300 people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. and, and there was obviously easy to have monitors for just 300 people. You put two or three little uh, television uh it sets around uh, that when you're going to show a video from some other city, then, you know, Gordon had that line where he said, okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you watch your monitors, right. you'll see this video, right? So when Gordon started doing the big show, Continental in Birmingham, which blew Gordon away, it was the first time he had ever been involved with any type of of a television program that had that huge an audience. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes they drown him out entirely where you could hardly <laughs> even hear him talk. Yeah. You know, so he was kind of blown away by the whole thing. And uh, so, you know, he would, he would always say, you know, uh, that uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, when we go to show a video, say something shot in Dothan or Mobile, Alabama, or wherever else it had been shot, and we were going to show it on the sh- on the show and put it, make it a part of the show. Mm-hmm. Gordon would uh, hit him with that line, you know. So uh, <laughs> that building in Birmingham was far too large, man. It, you would have never been able to provide everybody with a monitor situation right. to where you know, 6,000, 7,000 people can see a monitor, you yeah. know, yeah. you ain't got enough TVs. They're very, very difficult to provide that. So, you know, and, and, and I wish I could have done it, uh, uh in a way, uh, I might have, if I had really, uh, gone back and had a chance to, to do it over again, I would probably bought a couple of these big, huge screens to set up on each side of that stage so that when he threw it to the monitor, he would throw it to those big screens Yeah. so yeah. that the, you know, it could incorporate all the other people. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I guess, uh, you know, uh, in the way I'm saying, I'm sorry, I wasn't able to do that for him video wise, but we did, we had a company that uh, uh, had come in to uh, do research for me on the popularity of the Continental TV show because we were going to send it to the uh, Middle East, the Qatar and uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, some of those countries over there were very interested in the show. So uh, I had a company out of Houston that was handling the show mm-hmm. and they wanted to do research to find out. Uh, they asked all kinds of questions on fans, fans about the show. And we found out through the research that 90% of those matches in which fans went there and they watched the shows that they went home and watched on their own TVs uh, at the end of the week, watched the show live in in Birmingham on a Monday. Mm -hmm. And then on Saturday, watched it again on the big channel there in Birmingham, Alabama. Heck yeah. And, uh, And, you know, and then, so, so if, if, if so, and so for uh, the gentleman's name, uh, uh, Brent, 
Brent. Right. So, so Brent, if if you were if you were there and you watched it uh, back afterward, uh, you saw all those videos anyway. You might have missed them when they happened, but you got to see it when you went home and watched it back again. You know, and uh, but uh, it's a great point. Uh, you know, probably maybe Gordon uh, shouldn't have used that particular terminology. Well, because we ran a lot of video. We did a lot of lot of videos that a lot of wrestling shows didn't do. We recorded matches in towns and mm-hmm. uh, all types of specials with different guys. So we were always using videos. But uh, great question. Great question. And, uh, you know, like I say, uh, we get a lot of positive questions. And this one's, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's not a, a negative question, but it, it does bring uh, to my attention the fact that we might have done a little better <laughs> job with what we were doing. Hey, but still, great answer, Ron. So the second question came from another person that watches Southeastern Rewind on YouTube as well, but this one is very different. This gentleman calls himself Monster Zero. He thanks, then asks, thanks to everyone who is helping you find these older TV wrestling shows that we're all enjoying. A quick question, he says, where do we send any wrestling tapes or content to help with your search, thanks so much for what you were doing. How about that? Well, well, he's a nice dude, this dude, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I really appreciate this one. Uh, the question fits really, really well with what I'm dealing with now and trying to find these old Southeastern shows, these classic shows, as many of them as I can. So uh, I really appreciate this question. Uh, I'm calling you Mr. Zero. So, <laughs> so maybe Mr. Monster since you got two names. So I really appreciate this question. And, and, and I'm still searching for Southeastern Gulf Coast TV shows to fill the holes, man, from the missing shows that I don't have. Wow, I have been so lucky. I've had so many... F- so many people, Dave, that have gotten with me and, 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 and sent me tapes. And wow, it's just unbelievable. Uh, I, I'm, I'm amassing the greatest, uh, uh, mm. greatest number of these Southeastern shows from that Pensacola territory down there uh, that anybody will have ever done before. And uh, so, you know, uh, so, and to feel, you know, I, I really appreciate this. And uh, anyone that can help, uh, anybody out there listening, man, uh, you know, uh, that that has on old, old Southeastern shows that you don't know whether I might could use or not, uh, I, I'd like to, you can message me. Uh, I, I'm, let's just talk about Facebook. I'm, I'm going to send you to Facebook. If you're not already a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, then I've got three sites there. And you can go. Uh, to, uh, to Ron Fuller Welch is one of the sites. Main site has 5,000, which is a limited. And then it's been, wow, it's been full for years. And, uh, and then I have another that's called the author, Ron Fuller Welch, because of my book, Brutus. And then I have a third page that you can go to, uh, Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud. And if you go to that Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud, and you are not a friend of mine already on Facebook, uh, all you have to do is uh, is like me and follow me there. And when you do that, you automatically become friends with me. And if you have some of these tapes and you would like to help out and send me copies of them, I'll record them and I'll send them back to you. Uh, 
if you'd like to do that, go to that Ron Fuller, the Tennessee Stud page, uh, like me and follow me there, and uh, then message me. And when you do that, I'll be able to get back to you. And, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll try to work some type of exchange here where you can help all these people out here worldwide now that are going crazy about watching these old wrestling shows. Uh, and uh, not only that, but but I, I'm, I'm going to also, if you, I'm on Twitter, Ron Fuller Welch. Uh, you can go to my Twitter and uh, you can, uh, obviously, if you follow me there, then you can uh, message me there as well. So, uh, and then I'm thinking about it, uh, you know, uh, what, uh, what I'm going to do, uh, Dave, is, is uh, I'm going to o- open myself a post office box. And uh, within the next uh, studcast or two, I will announce the address that you can contact me uh, by just sending sending a letter to me. Say I have this yeah. this show or these shows, and yeah. if you're interested in them, uh, I've numbered out these shows, Dave. They're going to be in the hundreds, and I don't know how many hundreds, but uh, we have a tremendous number of them. But all I need to know is the date of the show when it was recorded. And I'll know whether I need it or not. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate it. That's a great question, man. This, this, this helps, helps uh, get the information out here, the fans in a way that I wouldn't have expected. And so this uh, gentleman here, who I can't remember <laughs> what, what this one's na- name was. Monster. Uh, Mo oh, monster. Okay. Monster, yeah. monster, monster, man. You, you did a monster of a job here, dude. I really appreciate this. Uh, you have really helped me and uh, thanks for your great question. How do you forget a name like monster? All right. So listen, before we we're getting close to the wrap up on this one, but you told me something during the break about having a special photo on this studcast. If fans get their studcast from your website at tnstud.com, Southeastern Rewind on YouTube or many of the podcast outlets that are available, which at this point you're on like 30 plus and they get to see the photo that comes with every episode. Tell fans about this one stud. Now, by the way, some podcast sites don't use a photo. A lot of them do. And uh, those are the ones I prefer because when you see the photo, it really sort of makes the story, but go ahead. Tell about this, this picture. Well, this one is a really good one, uh, and, and I just happened to see this uh, a couple of days ago. And when I saw the photo, and and, and we're talking about this exact same time period, uh, and and the, and the people in the photo, it just it all fit together for me. I was like, oh wow, does this work for this particular episode? And there's a photo from probably the late 1960s. It had three of the wrestlers. Uh, three of had four wrestlers in it. Three of them were associated big time with Southeastern USA and Continental. Uh, two of them are in this stud cast and have been mentioned in this stud cast. Uh, and obviously that's Bob Armstrong. He's in this photo. Bill Dromo is in this photo. And the third one in this photo is being seen on uh, Southeastern uh, Rewind and also on the streaming channel on every one of the Continental shows now, just about Roberto Soto. So wow. I see these old timers, man, all three of them right there kind of hugging each other. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I got to get this, you know. So uh, and and I just think I, I really, really love these old photos. And there's so many people out there to put them up. Uh, there's a gentleman named Ed Harrison that does a lot of these photos. And what a great guy he is. Uh, and he sends me a lot of stuff. And 
I just every time I see his name and he sent somebody a photo, I got to go and see it because I I want to copy it and I want to use it. Yeah. So uh, I was really lucky to find this one, and for fans, uh, this is a vintage photo, man, of of, of three or uh, four great wrestlers. The fourth guy is a guy that my dad wrestled so many times in Georgia, uh, the Mongol, the Mongol, El Mongol, uh, yeah. managed by Dandy Jack. <laughs> Georgia was a monster star there in the late sixties. So, uh, so yeah, then, then, and this photo, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it kind of ties in very well with this episode. Uh, it's, it's all about history and that's exactly what you're describing with this photo. So I'm just blown away with like every show we do now, Ron, they're always loaded with things that are totally unexpected. So what do you have for us next week? Tell us what's up. Well, we're going to get to find out what happens in both these territories on those big cards that we talked about in this episode. Uh, next week, we're going to be able to focus on the TVs more and uh, and get ready to uh, set the TVs to set up the plate, man, for the big dinner uh, in the Coliseum on Sunday, uh, April the 2nd, and uh, down there in Dothan. Uh, did it show as well. And then we're going to take uh, obviously a deeper dive into the TV shows than we did this week. And, uh, and we're going to prepare for the actual matches and we'll talk about the results of those matches next week. We'll talk about the uh, attendances and, uh, both, both territories and, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the business side of everything going on in both the territories. And, uh, and we'll answer, uh, at least another learning tree question next week. And, uh, you know, I got to say it, man, uh, and, and I really appreciate and thank so many, many people out there that uh, that listen to what we do, Dave, and uh, and really enjoy it and communicate that to me. And and I know there's got to be many, many others out there that uh, that don't contact me, uh, but I really, really uh, love doing these shows. I thank all of you for listening again, and uh, please tell your friends about us. Uh, and uh, take good care of yourselves out there, each other, and uh, and uh, may God bless us all. Boy, I tell you what, you take us to another place, Stud. That's what we love about these Studcasts. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening as well. Find me at davidsummersproductions at gmail.com. This Studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud, LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic Studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. One, two, three. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.